you for that reality this morning that Christ is a solid rock, immovable, unchanging. Lord, thank you for your amazing love and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ that we can stand faultless before a holy God, not because of our righteousness, but precisely because of the beautiful, perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ in whom we trust. Lord, we celebrate that this morning. We love you and we bless you and we praise the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Thank you, Carl. Worship team, awesome, awesome time of worship. Great to see you this morning. Thank you for, again, braving a little bit of snow to be here and worship with us this morning. You drove by several churches to be here. We don't take that for granted. We're thrilled that you're here and trust that something from heaven is going to leak into your life this morning. Well, the welcome books are going to pass. And, you know, hey, uh, it's, it's Olympics, uh, Sochi, uh, games, all kinds of Olympics. Kudos to the hockey team. Understand an outstanding victory there. And, you know, many of you have been watching the Olympics and you just look a little more buff. You look a little more in shape. So uh, keep that up. You're, you're really, really doing well. Um, it, let, me, uh, let me read a, a portion of Scripture this morning that I want to I ask you a question relative to this. This is Paul, Paul writing, and he says, he talks about a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, and that it, it being well-pleasing to God. What do you think about, what kind of things would make God think of something as a fragrant aroma? In other words, it's perfume to Him. It's an acceptable sacrifice, and it's well-pleasing to God. It might surprise you, but that thing that that Paul is writing about is actually money. That money can be a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, and well-pleasing to God. Paul is writing this to the Philippian believers who gave to support Paul in his ministry and on his missionary journeys. And you're probably familiar with the next verse. It says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And you know, thank God that that promise is for those that put God first financially, those that give and put their money in the kingdom. The Bible says God will supply all of your need according to His riches in glory in Christ. Thank you for being generous and faithful in your giving this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, A couple of housekeeping notes and announcements. Number one, the Patrick family says thank you for loving and blessing uh, Caden and buying t-shirts last week and many of you bought t-shirts and gave above and beyond and and uh, they overwhelmingly recouped their investment in t-shirts and it's going to go a long way to helping them with their travel expenses for Caden to be able to continue his therapy in his winning battle over cancer so thank you so much God bless you you're amazing and our hearts go out to the Hinshaw family many of you know that Chris uh, crossed over into glory, went home to be with Jesus this week. And uh, so our hearts certainly go out to the, to the family, uh, to Bruce and Dawn and, and the rest of the extended family. But thank God that they and we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We do grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. And I think there's a note in your bulletin, but uh, uh, the funeral is, is Sunday the 23rd. It's at 3, in, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and it's at, at 8 a. Bible Church in Grand Rapids if you're interested in attending. But uh, the family really appreciates your love and your prayers and your support. There's a great uh, update for you in terms of the executive pastor search team. They've provided an update and a report for you. That's in your worship folder. 
otherwise known as your bulletin, so make sure you read that. I want to give you a heads up that uh, this service will be complete with communion, that we'll be celebrating and partaking in communion together at the end of the service during the response time. And I want to mention that up front so that you can just be preparing your heart uh, to enter into that act of worship. Uh, we have open communion here at North Point. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're welcome to participate in communion. And if you're not comfortable, that's fine. You don't have to. But we'll have that later on toward the conclusion of the service. I also want to mention the white bucket offering, which we don't, we're not going to use a white bucket. But what that is, is it's our benevolence offering. And we do that about every two months. And uh, it's an opportunity for you to give above and beyond and for us to come together as a church to give a little bit of extra so that we have funds set aside to help people. Uh, first of all, North Pointers and then those that are in the community that might have a, a need. They just need a shot in the arm. This is not welfare. We don't take on people and support them for years at a time. But uh, maybe one of us has fallen behind on a rent payment or uh, there's some medical expenses or there's not enough food. Uh, for groceries for the family, and we can step in and be able to help. So that's a white bucket offering. That'll be at the end of the service. As you go out, there'll be uh, the, the beautiful oak little receptacles, and if you want to participate in that, you can do that at the end of the service. We would appreciate that. Uh, you also have some notes about restarting point, and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, there's a great uh, uh, article there in your worship folder. But we're calling it restarting point for this reason. Most of us that have been part of North Point for a while, we hear about starting point and we think membership. And we're calling it restarting point because what we want to do is completely pull that apart and put it back together again, not to be a membership class, but for it to be a, an immersive experience in a very healthy and a very powerful small group experience. And we want to create that because we want to be very intentional about what we talked about two weeks ago, and that is uncluttering our church and creating a process of discipleship. We worship, we connect, and we serve. And we want to be intentional about helping people connect at North Point. So we want to create a fantastic small group experience where people really go deep and they go deep fast, and they get to know one another. So if you've been a part of North Point for a long time or a short time, if you would like to go deeper in your relationship with God, and you'd like to go deeper relationally with some other really neat people here at North Point, you want to get a little more connected, then Restarting Point is for you. It's two segments of four weeks, but we're asking you to be guinea pigs. We're asking you to sign up for four weeks. We're going to do it in March. We're going to, pro going to provide complimentary food, complimentary child care. We're going to spend a couple of hours together conveniently right after this service down in the Student Life Center. And we're going to ask you to be a part of it and to give us your honest feedback because we want to create something amazing that is going to work effectively. And so we're asking you to participate. Now, here's the, here's the catch. We can only take 60 people. So you have to pre-register. I know more than that are going to want to participate, but we're going to limit it to 60 so that we can create a truly extraordinary experience. So help us do that. Pre-register. Let us know you want to be part of that. That's going to kick off in March. Details are in your bulletin. One last housekeeping note. Just finished up our series on uncluttering your life. We're going to kick off a new series beginning next week on heaven as it is in heaven. We're going to Look at the influence that heaven should have upon earth. 
and upon our lives. And we're also going to look into those pearly gates and we're going we're to discover what the Bible talks, tells us is uh, about heaven. We're going to uh, uncover some mysteries and answer some questions and it's going to be a life-changing series kicking off next Sunday. Well, it is my pleasure to invite to the stage your missionaries, your international pastoral staff. The Shantiers have been serving in New Guinea. Uh, they've just completed their second term and they're back. And they have some phenomenal, exciting updates. So can you just put your hands together and say welcome back to Tim and Courtney, Shantier. God bless you both. John Tears, God bless you. We're, we're going to be hearing more of their story and uh, more of the exciting and amazing things that God has done in Yembe. And uh, it, it'll be a few weeks. Uh, Tim is going to be part of the Heaven series and he'll be preaching and tag teaming along with Chris Carter and I. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, it was interesting. Courtney was a little more transparent in the, uh, in the 9 o'clock service because she said, you know, you think that as missionaries we just have this, ooze, this, this oozing love for all the people that we minister to. And she said, I just wanted to smack this guy upside the head. <laughs> he was acting like a jerk. She didn't share that in the 1045. I just, that was so good, I wanted to make sure you got that. Well, <laughs> I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about Mythbusters. I, I want to expose, I want to blow up three specific myths that are marginalizing your life, that are minimizing your life, that to one de degree or another you have bought into whether you know it or not. And it has to do with your calling to full-time ministry. You say, wait a minute, Pastor John, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm a lay person, I'm a student, I'm a stay-at-home mother. Uh, you're talking to the wrong crowd. This is, this is not a Bible school class. This is not a seminary. What are you going to talk to me this morning about my calling to full-time ministry? I want to I expose three myths that have to do with this notion of being called to full-time ministry. And let me just right out of the gate say this. Misguided assumptions produce misguided results. And let me give you a couple of examples. Fox News reported in 2011 that a 63-year-old Oklahoman woman narrowly escaped death when her car became stuck on train tracks. How did she get on train tracks, you might ask? Authorities report conditions were dark and wet when the driver followed faulty GPS directions, turned left onto a train track, and became stuck in the gravel. Hate it when that happens. There was a train coming. She narrowly escaped death, was able to get out of the car and get away, and she survived that incident. So misguided assumptions produce misguided results. She assumed the GPS was always accurate, and anybody that's used one knows they're not always accurate. Can you say amen? Right. Misguided assumptions, misguided results. I, I read about a guy who uh, had to do some repair on his roof, and he didn't exactly know how to do it. He had an A-frame house. And he should have called Elif Brothers Roofing. My brother Steve is down here this morning. That's 
little, little plug for him. Uh, should have called Elif Brothers, but he didn't. He tried to repair it himself. And so what he did, he, he had a great idea. He took a rope and he threw it up over the top of the house and he tied it off to something secure, the bumper of his truck. And he climbed up and was repairing that roof. And everything was great until his wife needed to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Jumped in the truck, took off, pulled her husband up over the top. And he realized that misguided assumptions produce misguided results. He thought the truck and the bumper was secure. But he found out differently. And more tragically, a dear friend of mine, Matt Mardigan, who went home early to be with Christ. I'll never forget the phone call and having to go to uh, St. Lawrence. Oh, no, a Sparrow. Sparrow Hospital. No, St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence Hospital to meet with his wife, Mary, and his three sons after Matt had passed from this life to the next. Matt was a championship bodybuilder. He was in extraordinary physical condition. He had 7% body fat. He was shredded. He was pure muscle. And he was the picture of health. And he'd been having some, some physical difficulties. He, he, he had some bouts where he wasn't feeling well. He had headaches. He had nausea. He went to the doctor. And they diagnosed him as having sinus problems. Well, he went out Memorial Day Monday to go for a run. This was about 10, 11 years ago. And he, two blocks from his house, he dropped dead. Of a ma- he had a massive heart attack. Well, come to find out, he didn't have sinus problems. He had a heart condition. He was misdiagnosed. Misguided assumptions, misguided results. There's some assumptions that are misguided that have to do with this whole notion of being called to ministry. And I want to expose them this morning because it relates to every single person in this room and it is, it, is, it is bringing limitation to your life whether you know it or not. Now, <clears throat> myth number one is simply this. Only the spiritual elite are called by God. Only the spiritually elite. Now, I have to tell you a little bit about my background. <clears throat> I, I went to Bible school, but I, I went to Bible school not because I felt this dramatic call to ministry. I graduated high school, Waverly. I went to Grand Valley College. It was college then, university now. And I began to study. And I I got convicted as I began to study. I was pouring all this time into studying secular subjects that I could care less about. And I had never given that much time and attention to the Word of God. And I was deeply convicted that I was spending all this time studying these subjects that didn't matter. And I made a decision that I wouldn't study secular subjects more than I was going to study the Word of God in any given day. And by the grace of God, I kept that commitment. And what happened was it ignited a hunger for God's Word. I wanted to know more of God. I wanted to know more of His Word. And so I wanted to go to Bible school. And I went to my pastor at the time and I said, what's a good Bible school? And he said, well, what are you called to do? I said, I have no idea. He said, well, are you called to be a pastor? I said, I don't know. I don't think so. He said, are you called to be an evangelist? I don't think so. Are you called to be a missionary? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, what are you called to do? I don't know. So I went to Bible school not because I had this dramatic call on my life, but because I just had a hunger for God and I want to know Him more. And then I got to Bible school and I would hear these iconic teachers and ministers. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, who had a dramatic uh, out-of-body experience. He, 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 He saw heaven. He saw hell. He came back. He was dramatically healed as a teenager. And he received a dramatic call to the ministry and began pastoring as a teenager. Lester Summerall was there, who's 
uh, just uh, had a, an incredible impact on the mission field as a minister. And he shared with us about, he was a teenager dying of tuberculosis, and he had a vision of a Bible in a casket. And he was alarmed and he was shocked, and he asked God, what does this mean? And God said, you have a choice. You're either going to preach or you're going to die. And he didn't want to die, so he chose to preach. True story, that's what he told us. And he started as a mad preacher because he didn't want to preach either, but that was the only option he had. And so he started out as a mad preacher, but God profoundly used him. And I heard other stories like this, and I, and I would hear my Bible school instructors pound their fists on the pulpit, and they would tell me, and then the other students, ministry is hard, ministry is rigorous, ministry, there's so many spiritual cal, uh, uh, casualties. Don't go into the ministry unless you know that you know that you know that you're called. And I literally sat there in class and I said, you know what, I don't know that. So I'm not going to go into the ministry because that's not for me. I made the decision right then and there. That's not for me. I'm not going to get chewed up and spit out. I don't know that I, I, that's not for me. I'm only here just to learn more about Jesus. That's the only reason I'm here. Well, see, without realizing it, this myth made its way into my head and into my heart. I sat there thinking, I'm not going to go anywhere near ministry. I don't know that I know that I... I haven't had some dramatic supernatural experience. I haven't been uniquely called, spectacularly called. I'm not uniquely gifted. I'm not divinely favored. I'm not practically sinless. I must not be called to the ministry. Well, there's a myth behind that. See, the, the Bible does not teach... That we have to have some... Now, there are dramatic supernatural experiences that some people have. I'm not going to negate those. I I believe in the supernatural. I believe that that can happen. But I'm not going to draw the conclusion that because it hasn't happened to me, I must not be just as uniquely called by God. The New Testament is very plain. Now, let me just share a couple of scriptures. Paul writes in the book of Romans, and and many of us are familiar with these verses, where Paul says that, that we were predestined. Those that were predestined, God foreknew. Now, I don't want to get all hung up on predestination, but can you have enough faith to believe that the God who created you actually knew something about your life before you were born? Is, is, Is that too wild to conceive? God foreknew us. God foresaw us. Psalm 139 says, every one of our days were written in a book before any of them existed. God knows the end from the beginning. Paul says, those whom God foreknew, He also predestined. Those that He predestined, He what? Paul's not writing to the pastor at Rome. He's writing to the church at Rome. He's writing to every single Christ follower. And he's telling them, God foreknew you, God predestined you, God called you, God justified you, and He's even glorified you in His Son, Jesus Christ. He's done all of those things for you. So if you're a Christ follower, if you've trusted Christ, you are called by God. You have been singled out. In fact, we, we talk about the church, the church universal. The church local. Do you know the the word church in the Greek is ecclesia? And you know what that means? It means called out. 
We've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called out of the kingdom of the enemy into the kingdom of His dear Son. Every single one of us, as Christ followers, has been called. So that just blows up myth number one. That it's just a, it's a small handful. It's a select few. It's those that have had some spectacular supernatural experience. No, it's every single one of us. That's myth number one. Myth, oh, before I move on, let me share this other verse. I love this verse out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I love this. Paul says, live a, again, he's not writing to the pastor at Ephesus. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. If you're a Christ follower this morning, say, I have been called by God. It's absolutely true. There's many other verses we could look at, but for the sake of time, we're going to move on to myth number two. And that has to do with this whole notion of full-time ministry. When I graduated Bible school in 1986, and then I was invited to join the pastoral staff at my local church of July 5th, 1987. I was excited. I was looking forward to that. I, I come out of a construction roofing background, and I was looking forward to being involved in full-time ministry. And so I would tell my friends and my family and some of my Bible school buddies, hey, I'm joining the staff. I'm, I'm July 5th. I'm transitioning into full-time ministry. Now let me just stop and ask, what was I actually communicating? What were some of the underlying assumptions when I said, I'm entering full-time ministry? What was I saying? That I wasn't that, thank you. So I wasn't full-time up until July 5th, 1987. So if I'm not full-time, I must be what? I must be part-time. Right? What's something else? that I was communicating without even saying it. When I said, that day, I'm going to become full-time. What, what else goes along with that? I have a job. I had a job, but I have a different job, right? So July 5th, I'm, I'm, I'm joining the staff. I'm, I'm coming into full-time ministry. You see, we, we get some wacky thinking when it comes to this whole notion of, first of all, full-time and part-time. I don't know about you, but on my application, when I signed up to be a Christ follower, there was no part-time box. There was only one box. It was full-time. There wasn't a part-time option. Did anybody get that option when you signed up? If, if you did, you got, a better, you got a different application than I got. My application, there was one box. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He said, once you put your hand to the plow, if you even look back, if you even reconsider, if you even consider another life, you're, don't even try out. You're not worthy to be my disciple. There's only one box. There's only one box. It's full time. It's 24-7. I'm not a weekend warrior when it comes to being a Christian. It's who I am. It's a lifestyle. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So I understand when we talk about full-time ministry, sometimes we talk about it merely to simply communicate and delineate between secular employment and somebody that is making their living supported by the gospel. I get that. It's biblical. It's scriptural. It's okay. But there's a myth that is developed that is very dangerous, and that is unless I'm paid... 
I must not be fully legit. And unless I'm paid, I must not be full-time. After all, then I'm just a layperson. And we all know you can't expect as much out of a layperson as you can a full-time minister. Now let's just stop and think about that one for a minute. If the only difference between a layperson and a full-time person is pay, then have we reduced the ministry to monetary things? That is a supreme insult to Jesus Christ who shed His precious blood to purchase me and to purchase you. And we're going to celebrate that in a few minutes with communion. That is spitting in the face of Jesus Christ. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying every Christ follower in this room is divinely called by God, handpicked for His team. And number two, there's no such thing as part-time. It's a myth. It doesn't exist. See, here's the truth. We all have a different job description. We're all full-time. My job description is a little different than yours. Your job description is a little different than mine. But we're all full-time. We're all 24-7. We're all followers of Jesus Christ. We don't just check in for an hour or two a week and then go do our own thing. Are you listening this morning? And here's, here's, here's what's so important. Solomon put it this way in Proverbs. He said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you see yourself as part-time, if you don't see yourself as called, if you don't see yourself as a minister, if you don't see yourself that way, guess what? You're going to act that part. And that is detrimental to the kingdom of God. Dear friends are here this morning. They're originally from Lansing. They spend the winters in, in Nashville. Mike and Kathy DeRussia are here and they're, they're visiting this morning. And you know, Mike has, has been a great inspiration to me over many, many, many years because Mike gets this. Mike uh, retired from GM. He worked full-time. Some, some of you work at GM. He's, he's spent many, many years there doing that. But he also devotes his life to ministry. And he's for decades been involved in prison ministry and in men's Bible studies and small groups and, and discipleship and soul winning and mentoring. And I, I just have the utmost respect for you, Mike, because you've modeled this. Living a Christian life 24-7. And you can do that as a GM employee. You can do that as a business owner. You can do that as a, a, a homemaker and a housewife and as a student and as a retiree. Our mentality has got to become, I'm a minister. It's full time. It's 24-7. Bump your neighbor and say, he's talking to you this morning. So the myth is that some callings are, are just part time. Let me share this verse of scripture with you before we move on to myth number three. It's, it's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing in 2 Thessalonians. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, For you yourselves know how, we ought to follow, how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Paul is, now I used to read this and think, oh, Paul worked hard in the ministry, that's what he's talking about. 
No, the, the Bible's clear. Paul references a number of times that he worked secularly. He was a tent maker. He would often work with his own hands to provide for himself monetarily so he wouldn't have to take offerings so that people wouldn't think he was preaching the gospel to get in their pocket. So he says, I worked hard night and day so I wouldn't be a burden. I wouldn't be a financial burden to you and so that you wouldn't assume that my motives were bad by preaching the gospel for you. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider the Apostle Paul a part-time minister? That is a ridiculous notion. But why don't we think that way about Paul? Because he worked secularly. We tend to look at people that are involved as believers, involved in the life of the church, but that work secularly, somehow they're kind of a second-class Christian, second-class minister. Paul didn't feel that way. Paul didn't function that way. As a part-time, I, I, I use that very loosely, I, lose it, I use it facetiously, as a part-timer, as somebody that works secularly, he wrote half of the New Testament. He went on missionary journeys, he preached the gospel, he planted churches, he raised up leaders and elders. He's a pattern for us. Let's blow up this myth that somehow we get it in our brains that we're part-time, that we're weekend warriors. Doesn't exist. Not scriptural. All right, you ready for myth number three? Wow. I'm actually ahead of, I'm ahead of schedule. I get excited when I'm ahead of schedule. I usually end up somehow filling that time. I don't know how that works, but anyway. And since this is a non-denominational church, I can't say I'll get you out to, to lunch ahead of the Baptists or the Methodists or the former Catholics or Lutherans because you're here. <laughs> so we'll just try to get done, okay? All right, myth number three. Here's myth number three regarding being called a full-time minister. Is that ministry is for pastors. That's myth number three. See, a lot of times through the years I've been out in public somewhere, I've been at Walmart, I've been to the movies or... God forbid, I want to go, go to the movie theater sometime. Or I'm at the grocery store or wherever, out for a walk with my wife. And I'll run into uh, maybe a couple or people that I know and maybe there's some family there and they want to introduce me. And they say, oh, hey, uh, you know, brother so-and-so or my sister or my wife, I want to introduce you to one of the ministers at our church. I want to introduce you to one of the ministers at North Point. Well, I, you know, I don't stop them and rebuke them and correct them. But words mean things. And the Bible is very explicit and clear in the language that it uses in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and the verses that follow. Paul says that Christ gave gifts to the church. We call them the five-fold gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. What is their job? They are to equip the saints for the work of what? For the work of the ministry. So... To be biblically accurate, I'm not one of the ministers at North Point. I'm one of the equippers at North Point. And I'm right now looking at the ministers of North Point. And so this is notion number three that ministry is for pastors is unbiblical. It's a myth. It's a mistake. And again, if we think this way, we're going to act this way. I have to tell you something, a funny story. When I, my very first day as pastor, July 5th, 1987, I'll tell you real quick. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night services. It was my very first day. And 
I was leaving. Almost everybody was gone. It was Sunday night after the services. I was walking out to the parking lot, and I heard somebody saying, Pastor John, Pastor John, come here. And I kept walking to my car. And they said again, Pastor John, Pastor John, we need your help. Come here. I kept walking. After they called the third or the fourth time, it dawned on me they're talking to me. I'm now a pastor. See, the day before I was a roofer. <laughs> July 4th, July 4th I was a roofer. Okay, July 5th I was a pastor. I didn't know they were calling me. They said, hey, there's somebody in the church that needs ministry. We need you to come and pray for them. And I literally was thinking, why are they calling me? They're probably better equipped. They probably could pray better than I could. I, I, transparent moment. I, that's what I was thinking. What's the, I realized I had an important revelation that day. Here's my revelation. The day that I became pastor. I was the exact same guy the day before I became pastor that I was the day after. I was the same guy. I thought I couldn't wait to become a pastor because everybody knows pastors have special revelation from God. Everybody knows. They just get revelation unlike everybody else. That Everybody knows that. Everybody knows pastors are practically sinless because they have more power from God to live holy. Everybody knows that. So I was really looking forward to becoming a pastor. And I was so let down that I was the same guy after as I... I see, I knew my prayer life was really going to flourish when I became a pastor. I knew that. Because pastors have better prayer lives than lay people. Everybody knows that. That was a revelation to me. Here's the revelation. I didn't become a minister. I was a minister. I was a minister on July 4th and July 3rd and July 2nd. And every day preceding that, that I was a true Christ follower because I, I changed job descriptions that day. I became an equipper to help others be fruitful ministers. So know the truth this morning. Number one, you are uniquely called by God. If you have responded to God's grace and you've become a Christ follower, you've placed your heart, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ and been born again. You are called by God, number one. Number two, no such thing as part-time, it's full-time. And number three, ministry isn't for pastors. Equipping is for pastors. Ministry is for believers. If you're a believer, you're a minister. And you're not going to become a minister, you are a minister. And I pray today that your thinking will change in these three areas and that these three myths, like a little soap bubble, will be popped and will no longer hinder your life. Now, we're going to transition. Worship team can come on up. We're going to transition into a time of communion and a, t a closing response song in worship. But let me just tell you this, this story in closing. Uh, really, it's not a story. It's just mentioning a name. Edward Kimball. Most of us in the room, in the room we've, we've never heard of Edward Kimball. We've never heard of Mount Vernon Church. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. He had a group of high school boys and he had a burden that those boys would come to know Christ and that he would win them to Christ and that he would disciple them. And he went to visit one of his students, Dwight. One day, Dwight was at work. He worked in a shoe, stop, shoe, shoe shop. rather. Edward went to visit him, shared the gospel with him, prayed with 
with Dwight to receive Christ. And all of us know Dwight. It's Dwight L. Moody. One of the most fruitful, productive evangelists to ever walk the planet. And what's the point? The point is Edward Kimball understood what we're talking about. He was a minister. He served as a Sunday school teacher and he was making impact on young men's lives. Dwight L. Moody being one of them who went on to literally win tens if not hundreds if not millions to Jesus Christ. And God wants to do the same thing through your life and through my life as we walk with Him and serve Him as His ministers. We're going to partake in communion this morning as you hold those elements. I want you to look at that bread and I want you to look at that juice and I want you to see Jesus Christ is all in. He's all in. And He wants you to be all in with Him. The ushers will share communion. Partake of it when you're ready during this response.